Praise the Lord. We're going to mess around and have church. <laughs> Thank you, brother, as always. Surely appreciate your ministry, your service to the Lord. Thank you all on the worship team for doing what you do. The Lord has blessed us with people who have great talent. They use that for the honor and glory of the Lord. I'm so thankful for that. I was just sitting back there thinking about just some of the reasons why we worship. And I just could not get this reason out of my mind this morning. So I want to share it with you. It comes from Lamentations chapter number 3. And it starts in verse number 21. Listen to what the Bible says. For I recall to my mind, therefore have I hope. Does everybody see it? And I think really what the writer is saying if I, didn't, if I didn't get a hold of this truth, if this didn't come to my mind, I wouldn't have any hope. <laughs> but because this has came to my mind, because this has been made real to me, then I've got hope. See, our hope is not found in what we can do. Our hope is not found in what we have done. Our hope is not found in our ability. Our hope is not found in our worth. Our hope is not found in us. And so he says... If I didn't get a hold of this truth that he's about to give us, then I'd have no hope. But when I, when I recall this to my mind, what's he recalling? That comes in verse 22. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. So what's he saying? He's saying it is all because of the good mercy of God that we are all not consumed, not completely destroyed. <laughs> Because, folks, listen, if we go on our own merit, our own merit will never be enough to make us right with God. Never. Our own merit, our own goodness is never going to be enough to make us a child of God. Our own merit and our own goodness is never going to get us to heaven. This ain't going to happen. I can't be good enough, and you can't be good enough. We're never going to meet God's standard. So what God has done because of his good mercy is he's come himself and done for us what we couldn't do. He came and was born the perfect, through the virgin birth, through a perfect birth. He was then lived a perfect life, then went to a cross and took the punishment for my sin and for yours. And now the Bible says he showed mercy unto us because he's done for us what we couldn't do. He who knew no sin became sin so that we might be called the righteousness of of God in him, 2 Corinthians 5.21. I love that verse. But it all goes back to what verse 22 tells us. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed. His compassion. Compassion is love in action. <laughs> and God continually loves us in spite of ourselves. How many, how many think that's good news this morning? Now, I don't know about you, but Folks, I didn't deserve save, being saved, getting saved. I didn't deserve the mercy and grace of God when I got saved, for sure. I, I mean, listen, I, I was lost and undone and headed for a devil's hell. I, I was completely and totally in rebellion toward the God who loved me. 
And God, by his mercy and grace, saw fit to save me. And I'm so very thankful for it. I wasn't worthy of that. But let me tell you something else. I'm not worthy of salvation right now. I'm not worthy of salvation in this moment. I still struggle with self. I still struggle with temptation. How about you? I still struggle with me, most of the time, being my worst enemy. Now, the good news is, and that's what this brother's telling us, he said, now I've got hope because I've got a hold of this truth that God's mercies do not fail. Verse 23, watch this. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. Praise the Lord for that. If not for the mercy of God, if not for his finished work, we have absolutely no hope. Praise God for mercy. How good he is. I just had to share that with you. That's not my message. But turn with me please now to Mark chapter 14. Mark 14 is what we're going to look at this morning. And what I want to do by the truth of the word of God and the power of the Holy Spirit is I want us to travel the road to the cross. In two weeks, we're going to be celebrating Easter time. And so, and that's exactly what I'm going to do. And I hope and pray that you've got um, that same mindset. You know, Easter needs to be a celebration. Can you say amen? <laughs> if there's ever been a time we need to celebrate the goodness of God, the power of God, it's at Easter time. Because, listen, at Easter, we're celebrating the fact that Jesus did die for our sins. But how many know he didn't stay dead? He conquered death, hell, and the grave on that first Easter morning. And now the Bible teaches all who place trust in the finished work of Christ for the forgiveness of their sin. Listen, we too can conquer death, hell, and the grave. We can have victory in Jesus because he was victorious over the tomb. Praise the Lord for it. So we're going to celebrate Jesus. We're going to celebrate Easter and what it means for us in two weeks. But before we get there, I want us to travel the road to the cross. Because if we don't see the cross and the importance of it, if we don't see how how Jesus relates to people just like us before he gets to the cross, then we're going to miss out on the whole message of Easter itself. So... We're going to start by the truth of the word of God right here in Mark 14. And we're going to travel along with the Lord as he sets his face like a flint toward Calvary. Amen. And that's where he's headed right now. Mark 14 and verse number 1. Watch what this says. Mark 14, verse number 1. After two days was the feast of the Passover. So what they're saying is this was two days before the Passover feast, what uh, is being written here. And of unleavened bread. And the chief priests and the scribes sought how they might take him by craft and put him to death. Then look at the next next verse. But they said, not on the feast day, lest there be an uproar among the people. So I want you to get the picture. This would have been Wednesday before Jesus goes to the cross on Friday. All right? That's what he's talking about. Uh, And so uh, it's two days before Jesus would be betrayed. And they said, 
um, first of all, they want to put him to death. Now, who's wanting to put him to death? Well, the Bible said the, the, the chief priests and the scribes there in verse number one. Now, I've told you this before, but I'm going to keep telling you because we need to keep this in mind. It's always been amazing to me that the one who gave Jesus the most trouble was the religious crowd. Have you ever noticed that? They were always coming against him because, listen, they thought themselves to be self-righteous in their traditions and how they chose to, 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 to live self-righteous lives. And so they thought that they were right, he was wrong, and he didn't fit the mold of the Messiah that they were looking for, even though he was fulfilling the scripture that proved that's exactly who he was. And what's so sad about that? These people who should have accepted him uh, as Messiah, should have accepted him as Savior, listen, completely missed the Son of God and God the Son when he was right before their face, and it was all because of religious tradition. I'm going to tell you something. Religious tradition, I believe, keeps more people from a real, right relationship with God than anything else. I really do. Uh, folks, listen to me. You need to understand that Satan would just as soon send you to hell from a church pew as he would from the gutter. Your religious tradition, your religiosity is never going to make you right with God. What you need is to experience God's good grace and mercy that comes through faith in Christ. Can you say amen to that? That's what we all need, each and every one of us. These people miss the Lord when he was right in front of them, they rejected him. Verse number two says, they sought to put him to death, but not on the feast day. Because if they did it on a feast day, two things were going to happen. It's that the Bible says there'd be an uproar among the people. Now, why wouldn't they want to put Jesus to death on the Passover feast day? Well, I'll tell you why. First of all, at this time, Jesus still had a big following among the people. If you don't believe me, you can go back and read in Mark chapter number 11. Mark chapter 11, you're going to find that Jesus um, came in into Jerusalem riding on a donkey just like the scriptures in the Old Testament said he would and while he rode in it's called the triumphal entry for a reason the, the Bible says that people took palm branches and laid them down in the way and they stood on the streets uh, that he was traveling down into Jerusalem and they were singing Hosanna praise be unto the one who comes in the name of the Lord and so they're praising him there just one week before they would yell crucify him when Pilate gives the option of releasing Jesus or Barabbas. Same folks. Isn't it amazing how quickly people can change? One week, everything changed. But at this time, Jesus still had a big following among the people. And so they were afraid if they tried to arrest him and put him to death um, that the people would uproar. The people would, would, have a, uh, would have a right. But not only that, listen to me now. It's amazing to me that it was the Passover feast that they were about to celebrate. And if you remember... When Jesus was killed on Good Friday, let me tell you what they did. They came around to break the legs of those that had been crucified to cause a quicker death because they knew that the Passover feast would be defiled if people were still being crucified. Think about that just a moment. 
They were so concerned about keeping the religious tradition, they completely missed the fact that the Son of God and God the Son was paying the sin debt for all mankind right there on the cross. It's amazing. Look what happens. Verse 3. And being in Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, as he sat at meat, there came a woman having an alabaster box of ointment of spikenard, very precious, and she brake the box and poured it on his head. Verse 4. And there came some that had indignation within themselves and said, Why was this waste of the, of the ointment made? Verse 5 tells us, For it might have been sold for more than 300 pence and have been given to the poor. And they murmured against her. And Jesus said, Let her alone. Why trouble you her? She hath wrought a good work on me. Everybody say good work. For you have the poor with you always. And whensoever you will, you may do them good. But me you have not always. Verse 8 says, she hath done what she could. If you underline in your Bible, underline that part of that verse. She hath done what she could. She has come beforehand to anoint my body to the bearing look at verse 9 what a what a, a amazing verse verily i say unto you wheresoever this gospel shall be preached throughout the whole world this also that she hath done shall be spoken of for a memorial to her and exactly what jesus said is coming true in this very moment here over 2000 years later at mount zion baptist church in hamilton alabama we are still talking about what mary did when she anointed the Lord there in Bethany. Let me ask you something. Do you want to live a life that makes a difference? Do you want to live a life that lasts long after you're gone? The Bible tells us exactly how we can do that right here in this verse, and that's what we're going to look at this morning. Let's pray together before we do. Again, Lord, we love you. Thank you, Father, for this good day. Thank you for blessing us like you have. Thank you, Lord, for mercy that's new every morning. Lord, we need it. We can do nothing without you. But we realize all things are possible through you. So, Lord, I'm asking you now that you would move me out of the way. Use me for your honor and your glory this morning. Father, these people need not hear what I have to say, but, Lord, what they need is the truth of your word spoken in power of you, Holy Spirit. Lord, have your will and way, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. There's five questions that I want to answer this morning concerning the text here in Mark chapter number 14. First of all, I want us to look at who anointed Jesus. The Bible says there that there was a woman who came and anointed the Lord. Now, who is that woman? Well, we know according to John chapter number 12 where this same story is recorded and also Matthew 26 that the woman that's being mentioned here is none other than Mary of Bethany. Mary was the sister of Martha and Lazarus who was very good friends of Jesus. It was actually, if you remember, Lazarus who Jesus raised up from the grave after he had been dead four days. It was Mary, Martha, and Lazarus that Jesus continually visited throughout his earthly ministry. And here, this Mary comes and anoints the Lord. Now, I want you to see the difference between Mary and Martha because there were some very big differences. We saw from Luke chapter number 10, some of you probably remember this, when uh, you have the story of Martha serving and getting mad at Mary because she wouldn't help her. Um, Martha was a very um, uh, gifted woman. As a matter of fact, if you looked at the two of them, you would have probably thought that Martha was the more gifted of the two. I mean, Martha was the kind of lady who, who could plan a dinner and get her house clean and, and keep it clean 
and do all that she needed to do by going by the, uh, the, the best home and garden magazine of the day and getting everything just right for what was going to take place. And I'm going to tell you, it takes a gifted person to do that, to plan these events and, and keep everything going like it needs to go. She, she had a, a good home and she had created a, 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 a very comfortable place there for her and for her family. Martha was extremely gifted. She was kind of like my, my uh, wife's grandmother. I remember something that, that she used to do that I always wondered about. We went over and ate breakfast with her one Saturday morning. And after we got finished eating breakfast, we were sitting there talking. And she goes over to the sink and starts washing the dishes. And so she's there at the sink washing up the dishes. And then she takes the dishes she had just washed and put them in the dishwasher. And I said, Mama, what are you doing? She said, I just want to make sure they're clean. So she would wash them herself in the sink, then put them in the dishwasher. I mean, she was very, uh, paid very close attention to detail. I mean, she wanted things just right. She wanted her house just so-so. And that's exactly how Martha was. Now, there's nothing wrong with that. Please don't misunderstand me. Martha was very gifted, was a hard worker, and knew exactly how to do what she needed to do um, to, to perform the, 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 the job that she, she was about doing. And so Martha, very talented. Mary, on the other hand, you would have probably looked at her and said, well, Mary, maybe she's not near as gifted as Martha. Although, right here in Mark 14, what Mary did, Jesus said, will echo throughout all eternity. As a matter of fact, wherever the gospel is going to be preached, Mary will be mentioned because of how she anointed the Lord here in Mark 14. Now that tells me two things. First of all, I never ever want you to think that ordinary people can't make a mark on eternity in their service for the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm telling you, God uses ordinary people just like me, just like you, just like Mary, to make a mark on eternity when we choose to just give him what we've got. And that's exactly what Mary did. Do you remember there in verse number 8, the Bible says she just did what she could? <laughs> she did what she could. Now let me say something to you folks. God is not asking for what you can't do. You say, Roswell, I can't sing, I can't preach, I can't teach, that's just not me. I can't do these things. Well, let me tell you something, folks. Just because you think you can't do those things don't mean you can't serve the Lord in the ways that he's gifted you. Do what you can. God is not asking for what you can't do, but what you can do. And what you can do is give what he's already given you. Now, we find this in the story here that she comes and breaks an alabaster box of ointment there and anoints the Lord's feet very costly. Um, alabaster box filled with ointment. And, and, and listen to me, folks. Somebody had to give that to Mary before Mary gave it to the Lord. See, what I'm trying to tell you is this. God had already given Mary exactly what she needed to do what the Lord demanded of her. And the same that he has done for her, he will do for us. What I keep telling you is this. You need to understand this. God very seldom calls the equipped, but he always equips the called. God will never demand from you what he hadn't already given you. I'm telling you. You do what you can. So that's who anointed the Lord. But then you need to see something else. 
Where did she anoint the Lord? Well, the Bible says she did it in a place of criticism. Look at verse number four. She did it in a place where people didn't like what she was doing. And there were some that had indignation within themselves and said, why was this waste of the ointment made? Look at verse five. For it might have been sold for more than 300 pence and had been given to the poor and they murmured against her. Look at the sixth verse. And Jesus said, let her alone while trouble ye her. She hath wrought a good work on me. Now let me tell you what's happening. Mary goes and does what she feels led to do, what she knows is right uh, concerning the Lord, what God has led her to do in that moment. And when she did it, people got mad at her. But, listen to me now, she didn't allow the criticism of others to keep her from doing what the Lord wanted in that moment. And you need to do the same thing. Never allow, never allow what others think to keep you from serving the Lord in the way that he's led you to serve him. Amen? Uh, let me tell you what I found out. And the Lord is continually showing me this. If I please the Lord, folks, it don't matter who I displease. Now that don't mean I try to displease people. I never want to try to be hard to get along with. I never want to try in any way to rub folks the wrong way. That's not my intention. However, I've come to find out when you're doing what you know the Lord wants you to do, it's not going to be popular with everybody. It's not. But what we must do as Christ's followers is do just that, just follow Him. As He leads, we follow, and the one we need to be pleasing is the Lord Jesus Christ. And if we're doing that, then don't worry so much about those you displease. If I please Jesus, it don't matter who I displease, but let me tell you something else. As a Christ follower, as a pastor, as a husband and a father, if I displease Jesus, then it don't matter who I please. You get me? Mary understood this. In a place of criticism, she was willing to do what she knew the Lord wanted. She was willing to give him what she had in that moment. Are you willing to do the same thing? See, you may be in a place of criticism at your workplace where people, you know what, they, they just um, either want to talk about you or make fun of you or maybe you won't be included if you make a stand for Jesus. Well, let me tell you something. That's all right. That's okay. Jesus said as much would happen. Matter of fact, he said, if they've hated me, they'll do what? They'll hate you also. The servant is not greater than his master. The truth is, when you make a stand for the Lord, whether it be at your workplace or at the school or sometimes even in your home, sometimes in your church, when you make a stand for the Lord, there's going to be others that are not going to like that. You're going to face criticism. You know what I've come to figure out, though? None of those people who are criticizing died for me. None of them. Jesus said this. He said, don't fear those who could kill the body. What, who you need to fear is the one who's able to cast your soul in hell. So what's he saying? Don't, don't worry about what everybody else thinks. You worry about what God thinks. Don't try to please and serve others as much as you're pleasing and serving Jesus. That's our goal. That's our priority. 
You're going to face criticism. It's going to happen. But I'll tell you what. I had rather please the Lord than displease Him. And we've got to come to that place in our life. I wish I could tell you just because you're serving Jesus and loving Jesus, everything's going to be hunky-dory and hallelujah all the time. And everybody's just going to love you to pieces for what you do or what you don't do. That's not the case. I remember something D.O. Moody said years ago. I read it here a while back. He was preaching in a revival service, a very hard message. And he got down from the pulpit and one of the people that were listening to him said, Brother Moody, you really preached a hard message. I really feel as though you're rubbing the cat the wrong way. And he said, well, maybe that cat's headed for hell. If it'll turn around and go the other way, I'll rub it right. What's he saying? He's going to please the Lord and do what God wants, even though it may bring criticism his way. And that's what we must do. That's what Mary did. Why did she do it? Well, she did what she could. Ordinary person making a lasting impact for the kingdom of God that will echo throughout all eternity. Where did she do it? In a place of criticism. And sometimes we're going to have to stand for the Lord in a place of criticism as well. Be ready for it. But I'll promise you this. The Lord never leaves nor forsakes his people. Amen? I'll promise you this. You plus Jesus, you're always in the majority. Keep serving the Lord. Regardless of what people think or say. Now there's going to be some people like the ones that were here that are going to make things sound real good. They say, well, why couldn't all of that money be, 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 uh, be uh, given to the poor? Why couldn't we have sold that very costly ointment which, was, which would actually cost um, the, the same amount as a man's wage, a yearly wage at that time. That's, that's pretty big, uh, uh, pretty big cost. 300 pence. The yearly wage of a laborer. And they say, well, why couldn't that be sold and given to the poor? Now, that all sounds real good, but the Bible gives us really the truth behind all of that noise. Let, let me share something with you. Um, from the book of John. The book of John says that the one who said that was none other than Judas Iscariot. John chapter 12, uh, verses 5 through 6, says something that, that I love there. Brother, if you will, please put that on the screen. Why was not this ointment sold for 300 pence and given to the poor? Verse 6. And he said, not that because he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the bag and bare what was put therein. See, he wasn't really concerned about the poor. He was just wanting the money. This is the same Judas who would then pretty much leave the meeting that we're talking about this morning, betray the Lord for 30 pieces of silver, um, and, and then cause Jesus to be arrested by the high priest officers. So you need to understand, uh, you can't put a whole lot of stock in people that sometimes run in that mouth for the wrong reasons. Amen? He criticized not because he cared for the poor, because he wanted the money. So that's where she did it. Now let me ask you this. Why did she do it? Why did Mary anoint the Lord? This is what always amazed me about this story. Think about who's all sitting there in the house of Simon the leper. John's there. Right? John wrote the Gospel of John. John wrote 1st, 2nd, 3rd John. John wrote... Uh, the book of Revelation. 
Peter's there. Peter was the first pastor of the first church there in Jerusalem. Peter preached on the day of Pentecost. 3,000 people got saved. Peter was there when the Holy Spirit came as a rushing mighty wind. And listen, people were healed through the ministry of Peter. Peter was delivered from uh, the jail because of the prayers of the church by an angel. Peter wrote the book of 1 Peter and 2 Peter, and most people believe it was through the, uh, the testimony of Peter that Mark, John Mark wrote the book of Mark. Used of the Lord greatly. Peter was there. John was there. Guess who else was there? Lazarus was there. Lazarus was the one who was raised up from the tomb. These are people who had had some deep personal experiences with the Lord. It was Peter and John who went on, uh, Peter, James, and John, who went up on the Mount of Transfiguration and actually saw the Lord transfigured right before their eyes. Amazing. But now listen to me. Mary knew something that none of these other people knew. The Bible goes on to tell us there in Mark 14 that she was anointing the Lord for his burial. I believe in this moment she was really the only one who got it. He had been telling them the whole time throughout his ministry, I'm going to be killed of the Gentiles. They're going to kill me. He actually told them, I will meet you again in Galilee after I've resurrected. It was in Matthew 16 that Jesus said this, and Peter rebuked him. He couldn't believe it. That's when Jesus said, get thee behind me, Satan, because Peter was rebuking the Lord. Do you remember that? He had told all of them he was going to die. He had told all of them that he was going to be resurrected. He had told them that over and over and over again, but they still did not get it. I don't think they really got it until Easter morning. If they would have got it, like Mary got it, they wouldn't have been hiding in the upper room, would they? So how did Mary get it? How did she recognize and realize that the Lord was about to go die for the sins of all mankind? How did she get it? Go to Luke chapter 10 with me. Luke chapter 10. And let's look at verses 41 and 42. Look what this says. Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art, thou art careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful. Mary hath chosen that good part which shall not be taken away from her. Now, what's Jesus talking about? This is the very scripture where Martha had gotten mad at her sister because Mary was sitting at the feet of Jesus learning what he had to say, getting a hold of his truth, getting a hold of his word. Martha got mad about it. And so the Lord says, Martha, you worried about the wrong things. Mary has chosen the good part. Everybody see that? Let me tell you this. 
If you want to receive of the Lord the deep spiritual insight that he wants to give you, let me tell you how you get it. Same way Mary did, by sitting at his feet. By sitting at his feet. What are we doing this morning while we're sitting at his feet? We're saying, Lord, we're ready to listen. We know that you're ready to speak. We're drawing nigh to you, and we're asking that you draw nigh to us, just like you've promised. That's what we do in a service like this. That's what we do in Sunday school. That's what we do on Wednesday night Bible study. That's what we do on Sunday night small groups. That's what we do when we come together. We're sitting at his feet, wanting to know what he's got for us. And I'm telling you, when you come with desperation, when you come hungry and thirsty, the Bible says, Matthew 5, 6, you shall be filled. Amen? Now, but we don't only sit at his feet in, th in places like this. Listen, daily in your quiet time, you sit at his feet. When you make the choice to spend time in prayer and in the study of the word of God, let me challenge you to do something this week. I want to challenge you in your personal quiet time, the first thing you need to do is pray and ask God to first of all forgive anything in your life that would hinder him from showing what you need to see. Hinder you from hearing what you need to hear. You pray, praise, ask God to give you what he wants you to see before you crack open the word of God. And, and listen, be ready because the word of God itself will burst a flame in your hand. Do you hear me? That's sitting at his feet. The Holy Spirit, who is our teacher, our comforter, and our guide, will speak truth to your heart according to the Word of God when you take the time to spend time alone with the Lord. Can you say amen? How did Mary get it? She sat at his feet. How are you going to get this deep spiritual insight? You need to sit at his feet. Amen? He's ready to speak to you. God is not hiding from you, brothers and sisters. So we've seen who did it. Mary did it, and she just did what she could. We've seen why she did it. She was anointing Jesus for his burial. We've seen where she did it, in a place of hostility. We're all going to deal with that from time to time. Listen, she also, also this morning, wants you to see when when she did it. Go back to Mark 14. Start, brother, if you will, please, in verse number 7. He says, For you have the poor with you always, and whensoever ye will, ye may do them good. But me ye have not always. Verse 8. She hath done what she could. She has come aforehand to anoint my body to the burying. Mary didn't just do what she could. She did what she could when she could. Amen? Now, why am I saying this to you and to me? Why is this important to us, each and every one of us? Don't wait to do for the Lord what you know you could be doing right now. Don't wait. It's very important that Mary anoints the body of the Lord Jesus right now, because listen to me, 
there's not going to be a chance to do so later. Let's see if we can think this through just a moment. Let's, let's say um, that we're all walking with the women on that first Easter Sunday morning on their way to the tomb. And they've got with them the, spice, the spices and the anointing oils and all the things that were necessary to anoint the dead. And they're on their way there and they're talking back and forth and they say, well, what are we going to do when we get there? Well, we're going to anoint the Lord because, you know, when he was taken down off the cross, they took him down in haste because the Passover was the next day and we didn't have time to anoint him. So we're going to, they, they went ahead and put him in the tomb. Now we're going out there today to anoint the body. Well, how are we going to see? Well, we're going to have to ask the soldier to roll away the stone when we get there. Maybe, just maybe, they'll roll away the stone, then we can go in and anoint the body like he deserves to be anointed. Well, guess what happened? When they got there, the stone was already rolled away. When they got there, the tomb was already empty and the body wasn't there. If Mary hadn't did what she did when she did it, the body of the Lord would never have been anointed for his burial. I'm going to tell you, God always has perfect timing. When you sense that nudge, when the Holy Spirit starts dealing with you about something, whatever it is, don't wait. Do it then. Notice when she did it. She did what she could, when she could, Listen to me. She didn't just do what she could. She gave all she could. How did she anoint the body of the Lord Jesus? It always amazed me that the Bible says she break the box. She broke it. She didn't, I'm sure it had a lid. You know what she could have did? She could have took that very costly ointment that was worth a man's yearly wage and took in the, taking the lid off and poured about half of it on there and then went and sold the rest. Couldn't she? She could have poured three quarters or a quarter of it on there and, and, and said, hey, he's anointed and went and done something else with the rest. But the Bible says she break it. That means, folks, she gave everything she had unto the Lord. How many know Jesus is worth it all? Dr. J. Barry McGee says this. He said, if the Lord is not Lord of all, then he's not your Lord at all. I like that. He's right. Mary said, Lord, all I've got, I'm giving to you. If you want to live a life that lasts, let me tell you what you got to do. You got to do just what Mary did. You got to do what you can. God ain't asking for what you can't. Do. He's asking for what you can do. If you're going to live a life that lasts, listen, you've got to do what the Lord wants when he wants it. If you're going to live a life that lasts, you just can't do what you can. Do all you can. She break the box. I don't know what the Lord's spoken to you this morning. I know what he spoke to my heart. If you need the Lord in any way today, this altar is for you.
Your invitation this morning is this. If you're here today and you've not yet trusted in Jesus as your personal Savior, why not today? I can't think of a better time for you to trust in Jesus and be born again than right now. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. Quit worrying about what everybody else is going to think or what everybody else might say. Mary didn't. She didn't worry about the criticism. She did what she knew the Lord wanted her to do, and I'm asking you to do the same thing. If you need to be saved today, won't you come? Won't you come? If you are a child of God, let me ask you, are, what are you doing that's really making a difference for the kingdom? Are you living a life that's going to last long after you're dead and gone? Mary did. Why? She served the Lord with everything in her. And that makes all the difference. Are you? I had to answer that, answer that question for myself before I came out here. Am I? Maybe you just need to come this morning and say, Lord, I want you to show me what you want. I'm going to do what you want. When you want it, I just need direction. Maybe you want to come do that. This altar is a great place to get along with the Lord. Maybe you've got certain things in your life that's hindering you from being all that God has saved you to be. Listen, the Bible says if you confess your sin, he's faithful and just to forgive you of your sin and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. This altar is a great place to do that. Whatever you need today, this invitation is for you. You'll be closing the service. Stand for us, please.